counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we're talking about yet another film on that list. The quintessential American Christmas classic, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life was released December 20th, 1946 and stars James Stewart and Donna Reed. Before we get saved by angels, how's your week been? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. Kind of uh, stressful, like lots of projects that are culminating now and kind of coming together and finish up. Uh, I'm back in cold California, but that's actually kind of nice, <laughs> even though I'm kind of freezing right now. Mm. Um, yeah, no, doing good. Life is, life is good to me. How are you? Um, a little stressed, wondering about my impending doom because of this crazy war going on in Ukraine, worrying yep. about the people over there, hoping they are doing well. Uh, well, for the most part, I think like this movie, I'm going to take the small victories and go with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, it's a wonderful life. Let's, uh, let's hear a synopsis first. George Bailey has so many problems he's thinking about ending it all, and it's Christmas. As the angels discuss George, we see his life in flashback. As George is about to jump from a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel Clarence, who then shows George what his town would have looked like if it hadn't been for all his good deeds over the years. Alright, and we're back. Uh, let's, let's see where we're at uh, argument-wise. Uh, let's flip a coin. Heads or tail, mister? I'll probably go with heads. Tail. Uh, let's see what <laughs> you choose. Uh, I'm going to argue against this. All right. Keeping my, my negative uh, streak going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess uh, then you have to start the uh, opening of statements. Yes, yes. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Your honor, it's a wonderful life. Uh is a movie that's the quintessential sleight of hand and the quintessential uh the grass is always greener and because of you everything you know the, the world is not in disarray um which feels like just a cheap way to make everybody feel better about themselves and their importance in the world but it also feels very forced and very tricked and it's tricking you into believing that uh for instance i think these setups that this movie is giving us uh, for all the the bad interaction points um, or the interaction points that uh, the main character is is having a positive effect on the world um, are very clumsy. Namely, the, uh, the the kid that breaks into the ice, uh, the poison of the um, the the um, pharmacist, and uh, a few other things. It's so on the nose, and then just kind of turning that around of like, oh, if you hadn't saved this person, um, bad things would have happened. If you hadn't found the poison, you know, they would have gone to prison and homeless. Um, if you weren't, hadn't been around, this whole city uh, would have went into sin and, you know, uh, strip clubs and... <laughs> 
and all that. And it's it, it just feels so cheap and so um, black and white. And I think that's the it's it, it's funny to me how I saw the, how this movie is 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 a very black and white movie. Um, I saw the color, the digitally colorized version. Um, that interestingly enough for me even shows some of the movie imperfections uh, on a technical level. Um, but that's another point. It's it's a movie that wants to be a feel good movie by showing you the importance you have on the world but i think it's broadly exaggerating the impact each individual person in this world has and and thus is it's a slight slight of hand your honor ladies and gentlemen this is a christmas film (laughs) with a feel-good factor right that is supposed to tell the tale to make the individuals watching the film understand how important it is for people to appreciate and help each other. Like the the people at the end of the movie, they all came in to help the main character. It's good to see that you're giving all the people around you life and hope in whatever way you can. The moral of this movie stands strong and it's the reason why this movie stays strong as America's favorite film to watch during the time of Christmas. With a strong performance by Jimmy Stewart, I think this movie is is a pretty great film, to be quite fair. But but there's no substance to it, right? It's 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 so Okay, so let's let's talk about Jimmy Stewart and and his performance and his character. Uh, ultimately, this is a happy-go-lucky person that uh, wants to live his best life um, and has to succumb to whatever's thrown at him and uh, and essentially giving up his own hopes and dreams in order to make it work, right? And then clearly this is driving him into severe unhappiness, because he wants to jump off a bridge at the end. And I think giving us a resolution of, oh, but if you hadn't been around, you know, this place would have been um, strip dancers and debauchery. But because of you, because you uh, forfeited your ideals and your, your wishes, you're the savior of this world. And I think, sure, at face value, it's it's a feel good story, but if you if you think about it a little more, it's really messed up, because what we learn from this is, don't go out of your way to follow your dreams. Do what's expected of you, and that's enough to have a great impact on the world. And I feel like that's a very depressing look on life, because shouldn't we all strive to? to be to do better and and follow our dreams and what we want and see the world and learn and grow and then have an impact on the world in that so i think it's if you it felt very just black and white and slight of handy to me so i'm going to counter your point and say that this character is not a happy-go-lucky guy and i think he's actually quite well-rounded we've seen that this character had dreams and ambitions like you said 
Um, and he was more than happy to go ahead with those dreams and ambitions. But every at every point in his life, he was thrown obstacles and he had to make a choice to either go with his desires or help the man around him. And in many of those situations, we see that he decided to help his brother. He decided to help the girl who decided to leave the town. He decided to help people in general. He decided to follow his dad's um, BNO uh, savings program to keep it going um, and uh, continue to help the people of the neighborhood so that they can move out of Pottersville, uh, the slums, and into their own homes. He sacrificed himself a lot. And the sacrifice showed because at several points in the movie, we get to see him frustrated, including when uh, the guy who was always doing the crazy waha with his with his hands. I don't know what the character's name is. Uh, it was quite annoying, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, kept doing that to him. And he was like, hey, do you want to go, go to, out of town? And he goes into this fancy car and he has to look at his own car. And he was very frustrated and he kicked the door closed. Um, the last scene where he couldn't find the $8,000 after his uncle sold it, you could sense the level of frustration as he kicked things in the house. He wasn't a happy-go-lucky guy. He was a well-rounded character who suppressed his feelings to help the neighborhood and help the town. Um, and he got stronger through setbacks. But the end of the film showed him at his wit's end because all the things that he had done to save the company all the progress he had made was almost lost by the misplacing of the $8,000. And it felt like his life was wasted. He goes to the bridge and wants to end his life. But the movie does a good job of showing that all the things that he's done to help the town and help the neighborhood um, came back around and everybody put their monies together to help him out of those, that very hard situation. Like his brother said when he arrived, like Harry said when he arrived, you're the richest man in the room, referring to the fact that he's built such a so strong social network that, you know, he was able to weather the storm. And I think that is the quintessential American message. Maybe it doesn't flow as well these days, but I think that's the, try that's the message he was trying to get along. So I kind of disagree with the idea that he's a happy-go-lucky guy um, and that the uh, stuff was a little bit of a fantasy. See, I I see this completely different because I think at the core, he is a happy-go-lucky guy, but at every step where we had to make the decision to go against what he really wanted to do, uh, he loses some of that happy-go-lucky attitude. Right? So he's so you, you could argue it's one of those things where you, know, you have a creative spirit, but the, the corporate overlords are, are crushing your soul and you know you're bending you into submission. <laughs> and it's kind of the, the same thing here. He's um, His attentions are all good. He wants to help the people and he wants to make sure that his dad's legacy is uh, secure. <laughs> but um, and, 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 you know, the, the town has a chance to um, to have an adversary against the the slumlord essentially um but he's he's paying for that with um his own like going against his own dreams and uh, ideals 
in a way. So I think uh, he he in the beginning he is a happy-go-lucky, if not somewhat naive guy, um, and he's kind of thrust upon these situations uh, where, of course, he's he's actioning in a in a positive way from an from an outstander's perspective, but he is also betraying himself a little every time. Um, so I think it's just weird message the more I think about it. I'm going to get away from the message perspective of this film um, because, you know, all films have a message. There's a, there's a, there is a, uh, there is a, you know, fascinating thing about how old this film is. It came out in like 1942. Um, and it's been, it's, it's a film for its time. Oh, sorry. 1946. Um, it's a it's a film for its time, and the culture and the expectations at that time are currently different from what we have today. Um, so I'm not going to speak particularly about a lot of the the messaging, but I, th- I think the main message of the film is is timeless. Um, you know, and I feel that. You can there are lots of criticisms you can have about the film and you know the religious aspects, which I'm not going to touch now. Uh, but I do think that the main story does a good job of showing a man who was you know generally happy, who had views of you know improving his life, going to see the world, um, and slowly, slowly getting frustrated and more frustrated and more frustrated. To the point that when you get to the very end of the film, you can understand how the man could go from being so, like in your terms, optimistic to being quite pessimistic um, after life grinds you down so much. I think the movie does a a great job of, of showing that. Um, and it comes at no surprise uh, as he walks to the bridge, you know, what he's trying to uh, what he's trying to do one of the things that i will also push back upon is this idea that you know uh what the the world would have been without him and i think that maybe it's exaggerated but i think that it's important to show the impact of the character on the world that he's lived in um, and I think that was one of the driving factors, which basically, you know, made him realize, like, you know, I've done a lot, you know, I've I've helped a lot of people. Um, and it brought back that sense of optimism. And I think that um, James Stewart played it so well, you know, I've got blood in my mouth and it's cleaning it. And it's like the most, the smallest things that you're taking for granted. Um, he was able to show joy in that moment. Um, and maybe the message is, no, I'm going to leave the message alone for now. I think that (laughs) the acting was great. Um, and, uh, I think that it's so, it did a good job of selling me on what this man has been through. And that very last moment where he said, um, you're the richest man in the room. To my big brother, George, the richest man in town, uh, it really did a number on me emotionally. I didn't cry, but, you know, it was like, oh, that's very touching. 
and I think that's the value of this film. It's a good movie to play in Christmas. We can't be a sour puss about it. It's a good film. <laughs> like I said, it's it's a movie that is very black and white, and uh, I think reality is very gray. Right? There's just a lot of grayness, and and nothing is really black and white. And to think the the extremes this movie is showing us, they're just very um, kind of um, they're just too forced, too easy, too obvious. I guess is my my argument there. It's and you know it's a two hour movie, which is pretty long for the time. If I think um so kind of surprisingly so 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 i guess there's an argument well you need to delve into superficialness quite a bit to to make sure that we can have this 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 guy's in despair and see how worse he can get it and then he appreciates his despair <laughs> I, I yeah i don't know i think it's just so convenient and and I know I've said that before in movies. Uh, I, I it's the first time I've seen this movie, and I think the the amount of times I will see this in the future is probably non-existent. I think the yeah, I found this movie kind of frustrating, to be honest, because it, it is so. Oh, okay, so he's you you know he's he's helping his brother, I think, right then. It, it's it's too obvious, and I think that goes into a bigger discussion, which we should have uh, like after the arguments um, about the time, because movies are always a reflection of the time, and I'd be interested in going into that conversation soon. Um, like I said, for me, it's it's a movie that's just so so sleight of handy with with the feel good feeling that you're supposed to feel at the end. Um, and it's not really paying off to its fullest that it could have been, I think. Um, what I thought that the romantic, uh, romantic uh, uh, deal he had with Mary was also quite interesting to watch. Um, as cringy as it was to see them at the telephone scene, um, I think the let out of um, tension was really well done. Um and the fact that there are a lot of things that were said that were that held on throughout the film, like the moment when he said, "What do you want, Mary? Um, you want me to lasso the moon? I can throw a rope at the moon and lasso it down and bring it to you." Um, those kinds of moments, and then she brings out a poster where she says, "Like, hey, uh, do you want to lasso the moon or something along those lines?" Um, the scene where they're standing in front of the house. And uh, <laughs> um, and the guy was like, "What do you want? What do, what do you want to do? You want to kiss her, man? Just kiss her and stuff like that." I thought that the rom- the, ro- the romant the romanticism of the film was well done. It's a movie about love. The other thing that I thought was another message um, that was done quite well was the importance of friends. Um, and I think you know around the beginning of the film when his dad said, remember George, no man is a failure who has friends. Um, 
basically it's showing you um the fundamental core or the fundamental american values you said the movie is black and white i think that because this movie is um shared with people of all ages you have no choice but to make it black and white um even still as an adult you could watch the film and gain value from from watching it and you know as a kid you get to understand everything that is going on on the scene so i i disagree with you on on that particular aspect as well i think that for the audience the movie is a really well done film um and it does a good job of marketing its values very well i can see this movie being played in many christmas homes over the christmas period yeah there's there's a reading about that relationship um but but i want to go into that in general discussion i think um because it's not the right forum for that but the yeah i i don't have anything further to say so i'm <laughs> happy to go over to general discussion all right yeah, let's go to general discussions all right all right your honor i'd like to ask for a recess so the the relationship and while i was watching the movie I literally looked at Google for a queer reading of It's a Wonderful Life. Because of knowing James Stewart and his like real history, um, there was a moment in this movie where I felt like, oh, he's not really into any of these women, but it's just the time where he needs to fess up and marry a woman. right? And I, I was wondering if there is some kind of queer connotation that, that you could read from this turns out I'm, I'm apparently the only one that saw that and that's fine <laughs> but it's uh, he's a weird character to me because like i said he he comes off as i refer to him as a happy-go-lucky um kind of naive but he also kind of has his act together in a way but he also seems to be awkward um and you know, part of that I think is is just the time and kind of the conventions of of, of the movie. But it's yeah, it's kind of it's it's a little weird to me. I don't know what what do you think about that? Well, I I didn't feel like there was anything queer about the character, or I didn't feel any of that. Um, I didn't feel any of that. I will say that I didn't particularly like this film. <laughs> um, I the messaging is what you know gets it for me. My wife loves it, and you know I'm not. I didn't grow up in America, so a lot of things just kind of passed over me. Uh, I didn't get a lot of the characters. I didn't understand some of their motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also I'm not a religious person, so all the conversations about God kind of it didn't work for me per se but I also didn't like the way a lot of the I feel like the message of the movie is is it's basically I mean I, I've read the Bible I kind of know what the Bible is about but this story is kind of like the story of Job in the Bible where the world kind of batters you and you have to take it uh, and you continue to have to smile until, you know, God hears your prayers and all of a sudden everything just works out fine. I don't think that message is great per se, yeah. <laughs> but for people who are religious, I can understand why this would be very good for them. Um, and it definitely creates an indelible mark in kids. I, I found the character of George 
great team, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, he was hot and cold and hot and cold. Um, and I thought a lot of the scenes in the film just dragged on too long. Like, man, I know what you're trying to say. You know, there are lots of issues with continuity. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, but I think the one that really like topped it off for me was after he woke up and he goes to the town and the town was actually great. Um, <laughs> and I was like, this is a bubbly town. People are going out, people are going to drinks, people are having a great time. Um, uh, and then he's like, I want the old world back. Give right. me back the dreary old town that I grew up in. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, he wakes up and then all of a sudden he's the Bourbon Street of Memphis. I'm like, okay, is that that bad? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I I also I also think that the level of narcissism, which I think you hi- you highlighted, is is very very bad uh, because basically the whole town stayed the same because of one man. That's the level of narcissism that is very difficult to swallow. Um. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I I think it's it's the easy route, right? Because it's so you're you're the sole savior of the Christian values of this town. Because you saved two people. And uh yeah, it's just problematic, right? I I, I don't know. I I agree with you that the message is not great. Um the continuity errors are crazy. Um I don't know if you look the if you watch the um colorized version. But um I feel like watching that one is probably highlighting those errors a lot more than had it been had I watched them back in white. Because I feel like you can get away with like different backgrounds and all that yeah. <laughs> a little easier if it's black and white. But um, yeah, there were some, some real wild errors in there. Um, and I mean, like I said, movies are always a representation of the time, right? And this is a movie in the forties acting something in the twenties. And you cannot necessarily fault this movie for depiction in a way, but you know, you have the, the, smiling servant you know like okay that's no today's (laughs) standards that's a little problematic but you know for the time that's that's that's, i don't know right like it's not something you can bring up and and fault the movie for because it's just it's it's a time capsule but it's still i don't know I, i don't know i'm yeah, the the more you talked about Christian values and all that, I tried to to completely take that out. But um, the more I think about it, yes, the more obvious it, it is, and the more I dislike this movie <laughs> because I think it you, you have this white savior complex thing, and it's it's just so it it's so easy and so black and white, right? Like I said, that's it's so. How's this person the sole person? That has such an impact on this community. Like, does it negate all the other people? Do they not have that kind of impact on the community? And then, if they don't, why don't they? Right? Like, um, I, I don't know. Because you'll have to ask. Oh, I, because when when it got to that scene, I started to call the movie "Back to the Future." Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I was saying to you know, I was saying like. 
you know, it's it's very interesting to think that uh, just because you're not there, the kid he hires doesn't say, hey, dude, you're putting poison in the pills. That's the wrong pill. You know, it, it kind of, and there's no guarantee that everything would have played. If the fact that his brother didn't fall into the well um, or into the ice, uh, if that didn't happen, or uh, if that happened because he wasn't there, uh, I mean, sorry, let's just say that they created the simplest layer of how the past would have played. Should right. I, let me let me put it that way. Yeah. Um, I remember this the, that scene where the brother fell into the ice. I thought he encouraged his brother to do the to do the ice skating. And you got to ask yourself, like, what if he wasn't there? Would he? Would anybody have encouraged him to do it? What if he slid a little to the right? What if he had slid a little to the left? The movie wasn't willing to um, go with that. Plus, they were just willing to say, just because you weren't there, everything else would have played out exactly, and he would have slid into the ice. And so it's like the level of simplicity for that is yeah. too is too limiting. Right. And then you look at the scene where the guy finds out his son was killed. Um, he gets upset and he's putting rat poison into the pills. The level of simplicity is is right there. It's like, okay, everything in the world would have played out exactly the same, except the fact that he was putting the pills in there um, and he would have killed kids. And you're like, all right, you know, there's a level of dissonance here that I can't take. Maybe the audience in 1942 could take it. I I can't I find it very difficult to follow the level of logic going on here. Yeah. And I, and you know at the at the ice thing in the beginning, it was not just those two kids. There were other kids around. So I think it's plausible to think that one of the other kids probably would have jumped in and saved him and, you know. So it's not like like him not being there would have been an insta kill for his brother, right? Um him not being there might have also meant that they hadn't gone to that thing in the first right so it's it's yeah. complex but it's so so easy it's the easiest route this movie takes right and like you said it's it's very back to the future there's a couple of movies that that seem like a riff on this now having seen this and i i wonder if this is the inception of a lot of these um changing things in the in the, in the past uh, has a great effect on the future type deal um, that's it. I mean, I kind of felt that too. It's like, is this where the idea for Back to the Future came from? I, I could see that. Yeah, it was basically the scene where he's going around town, seeing how everything has changed. That was basically what we saw there. Right, right. To the to you know all the way to to now, where you have things like the the um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child that play that they have. There's a very similar storyline to that too in in that play. Um, where, where they also go back and change things and then all of a sudden everything is, is bad <laughs> and then they try to so figure I, that out right so it's it's just a trope at this point and I wonder if this movie is the inception of that I don't know it's interesting I I didn't like say it's very difficult to this movie is a quintessential American film <laughs> and I can understand why this is quintessential American film but I didn't grow. I didn't grow up American, and right. a lot of it just didn't feel natural to me. Like everybody in the town were, you know, were being punks when they were dancing on as the pool opened. It was kind of like, all right, they're dancing. They're about to fall into the water. They're about to fall into the water, and they 
do the dance and move forward. And nobody could just say, hey, guys, the pool is opening up. Um, see, culturally, that's totally different from how my culture works. In a situation like that, somebody just rushes in and says, the pool is opening up. Uh, and they try to solve that problem. So it's like, all right, that kind of takes me out of the film. But I can understand if an American is watching it and sees that scene, it's like, all right, the humor is there. I didn't see the humor. I was kind of irritated by it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there were many scenes where I was kind of irritated by the way people dealt with the problems. Um, so, look, I I can understand why this movie is valuable to a certain segment of people, but I it just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't work for me. I, I mean, will I let my kids watch it? Maybe. Most likely they will see it because my wife loves this film. Yeah. Um, and most likely they'll see the film. But I, for me, I, 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 I understand what the movie is trying to do. But I think that the, the message is a little weird. And if I had to have my kids watch it, I'll probably give them a disclaimer before they see it. <laughs> so I wonder another thing. Another layer, like I said, movies are a representation of the time and the conventions, right? And you, you you mentioned, like by today's standard, this movie is more challenging because things are a little too simple, mm-hmm. right? And I'm I talked about that yesterday a little bit with my with my husband, where it's like, so is this just telling us that, um. People in in the forties, um, it, it was just a different, like in quotes, simpler time, right? So you like, uh, and the, the the reason why I brought that up was uh, we watched Drive My Car on Friday, and I don't know if you've seen that movie. No. Okay, um, and Drive My Car is a three hour long movie, um that is very depressing in a way and very very heady you know it's about grief and how to overcome that and then how to deal with all that uh, all you know with, with the play in the middle as a catalyst of, of kind of bringing emotions forward like that's like the, the quick summary of it so it's a very brainy movie it's very kind of difficult to deal i think with it where it's you know, it's just raw emotions. And then on, on contrast, you have this movie. And I think a characterization as happy-go-lucky uh, is, is kind of accurate because it is so simplistic. That's like, oh, this dude is, you know, he's kind of a happy fella. He just wants to see the world. You know, he just has ambitions to see the world and kind of travel around and, and experience things. But then he's thrown into step after step into... Um, decisions that go against what he wants to do, but he does it for the good of the the people in a way. And it's relatable enough, I think, for people to have that because everybody has had these decisions where, you know, rationally it makes sense to do this, but I'd rather do that. And so it's something that is easy to 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 see for yourself. So I guess where I'm going with this is. Um, a movie like Drive My Car uh, would not have been made 
well, obviously, but uh, um, would have been very challenging, I think, in the 40s, right? Because people were not ready for that level of mental um, distress, <laughs> you know, and dealing with that and dealing with that through a movie, you know. And the, so, I, I've as a as a movie of its time, I think it's super fascinating to see that and to see how quote unquote simplistic and, and kind of black and white it is because it's telling us or we can infer um something about the time where this movie was made you know and there there's some language in there where i'm like oh, that's you know this is the wife <laughs> and it's like Oof, i don't know that mm, challenging right um but it's just because we've we now have like 70 years in between making the, the making of this movie and, and the current times right so we've moved on from that sometimes sort of for the better probably i would think right and now we have like really deep uh challenging works works of art and i think this is not that it's okay but it's not really dealing with with anything substantial because it is so simplistic rent over <laughs> um you know it's interesting because I saw Jimmy Stewart in the movie Shenandoah, which came out about, what, 21 years after this film. Um, and that movie was a very, very hard film to watch. And it shows different layers of uh, emotions and, you know, sadness about a family who has, uh, who has to deal with civil war, it has to deal with loss, has to deal with all of those things so i can I, I can appreciate that movie making changed over the 20 years that came um i will say this drive my car i, I just googled it it's a japanese film right yep. a japanese one i will <laughs> i saw a movie called departures Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another Japanese film about loss and death, and that movie broke me. Uh, so I will say that Japanese media, they know how to make a movie about loss. Uh, what? There's a movie called uh, um, Grave of the Fireflies. That movie breaks me every single time. And every time I go watching that film, I'm like, I'm going to be strong this time. And like half, um, like when we were very close to the end, I'm like, oh my God, so sad. Um, I will say Japanese movies do a great job of making you feel emotionally gut-wrenched. So I'm going to try to avoid driving my car (laughs) (laughs) and maybe see this one another time to enjoy the positivity. But um, I, I, I kind of agree with a lot of the points you've made about this film. Um, but this is also a, qu- a case of personal choice. Uh, this movie is beloved, uh, and I don't want to write that idea off. Uh, it's quintessentially American. I don't want to write that off, but I will say that it's not just for me, and uh, I couldn't vibe with a lot of the things in there. The message. Uh, you know, the tension between teasing and sexual harassment <laughs> that happened in many scenes. Um, you know, the, the scene with the phone, too, was kind of weird. I kept going, like, 
smelling a hair what is going on here is that not weird i don't know you know so you say it's a great sexual tension I'm like all right i guess maybe i don't know what's maybe i don't know what sexual tension is um so <laughs> i the, the, I, you know who knows maybe <laughs> you know for the 40s this was a hot and steamy movie i know <laughs> i know um it was it, the movie the movie is the movie yeah. Um, we got to watch it. I think we don't need to hop on too much longer about this film. I think that we've made a lot of people mad enough <laughs> <laughs> about this film. It's it's all right. It's okay. Just nothing. Yeah, yeah. Take us from two immigrants to this country and you know have a fresh perspective on this movie. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Good discussion, though. Yeah, good discussion. Maybe next time we'll probably have an American to counter this. And well, I am American to be fair, but I'm Me not too. American. No. I'm not a. I'm not. I wasn't born here, so I don't right. have similar cultures. But maybe it will be interesting to hear an American's perspective on this. Let them, you know, explain why this movie is so important to them. Yeah. But you know, if it's just the two of us, this is what we think. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's but, right. Um, so the list shifted a little bit. So I guess the next one on the list that we haven't reviewed yet is Saving Private Ryan. So that'll be next. Oh, that's going to be interesting. This is a total departure from what we currently <laughs> watched. <laughs> um, but I, the good thing is I've seen Saving Private Ryan and I think it'll be interesting to see it again with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. So eh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's. It's Tom Hanks in his more gritty roles. I think Tom Hanks is a really great actor. He does a lot of he does a lot of different roles and he has a lot of range. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see him revisit that again. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Raji, where can people find us? Well, they can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and all social media on at MovieMistrial. Or they can email us at contact at moviemistrial.com. It's nice having this chat with you. Yeah. And hopefully people can understand our perspective. <laughs> um, but it's been a good chat. Yeah. And if you don't, let us know. Exactly. Um, okay. All right. See you, <laughs> all right. Next, uh, see you next episode. Sounds good. See you.